0: it ain't no funeral home it ain't the pterodome either to hell What's i know that's crazy on the mics <laughs> Those applause for me. What up, guys? This is Walter Dune, back for another episode of Let's Talk About Horror, the horror podcast where I talk about everything related to the genre. And we're just going to jump right quick to the news real quick. Man. So before we get into the news, I was a guest star on another podcast called The Night Live that was by my homie, Jake Gucci, a.k.a. Jacob. And... You guys should definitely check it out. Um, We recorded this past weekend, and it was just released this past Thursday. And it's just very fun. It was a very fun experience. Um, We got to talk about like podcasting, life, toxic relationships, COVID, and just like different things. Even we even had some fan questions that we were answering to about technology versus manual labor. But since we are now on the topic of the news, and I just mentioned COVID, let's get on to our first report. So as you guys know, we are still in COVID pandemic mode. And as you guys know, I mean, I like to come on here talking about just a little bit of COVID and what's happening here in my state right now of California, and just how crazy shit has gotten. So as you guys know, I left off talking about how like everything was opening up again, all the beaches all the bars all the clubs and shit well i don't know if the clubs were opening up but i'm pretty sure clubs were opening up too but the bars and shit restaurants were opening up again and yeah it just took less than like i guess two weeks for us to fuck all that shit up (laughs) i gotta say and we are back now once again being on lockdown I would have to say lockdown is probably not as intense as it was the first time around because I think people just now got into being out again and just doing whatever, going to like whatever stores and outlets that they want to go to do whatever shopping that they want to and all that. But right now, I guess a lot of people are just not really feeling affected by it. I mean, I'm hearing stories about. People not wearing masks and shit like that. And I mean, I guess that's, I guess people's doing their own shit now. You know, they're not being fazed by this whole COVID shit. I don't know how much of you guys really believe it being real or not. I mean, I have questions myself because there are so many conflicting reports about what caused COVID or how people get COVID. But my thing is, is like, why are you guys taking this risk? You know, like it's, I'd rather be safe than sorry. That, that's just me if I don't believe in some shit that's just me I just won't believe in that shit but I'm not gonna sit there and be foolish about that shit because what if that shit really is real you know I, I, I feel like as Americans we have this whole mentality of we don't really believe shit is real until it actually happens right in front of our eyes or affects us in some type of way I know, talking to friends and different co-workers from my day job, we talk about this shit, we're dealing with, like, the community and sh- shit like that d- that's dealing with this shit, and we're trying to do our best to kind of stay protected, but at the same time, I feel like with certain people, if they don't really believe in that shit, they're not gonna put the best interests of the patron, I feel like, you know, because I know some people and I've seen a couple of people like do some shit or just like not really the shit that they're supposed to supposed to do you know like keeping everybody's social distance you know and just wear like whatever protective covering to kind of prevent that shit now luckily we haven't had too many problems or anything like that you know maybe just a couple of cases and those couple of cases are just like staff members doing stupid shit outside of work and all that but other than that, it's like, if you don't believe in this shit, bro. like, you gotta put the best interest at heart for everyone else, because you just don't know, because maybe you got it, maybe you're asymptomatic, as they like to say in the news, I know they try to come out with a report talking about, like, asymptomatic people can't really pass this shit on to anybody else, but at the same time, I don't believe fucking shit anymore, flat out just I don't believe this shit anymore about anything they come out with some new discovery I need them to get this shit together you know because like like I said before in another podcast they said that this shit was supposed to die out in summer but people are still catching this shit in the summertime so it makes me wonder like what is going on like I thought this was supposed to happen but it's not so yeah I just feel like as Americans we need to get better you know like if countries like New Zealand can get it together we need to get our shit together you know like New Zealand Canada they got they got their shit together I feel like we're just the only country that's just on that bullshit mentality of just wanting to be right like everybody wants to fucking be right all the time. You know, and I and I, not to say that I don't have that mentality too. I have my moments of wanting to be right all the time, but I know I'm not right all the time. Like even for me just giving my own opinion on this podcast doesn't mean I'm necessarily right at all. It's just a fucking opinion. You know, I never said I am right about this. You guys fucking listen to me. So, I mean, if anybody ever got on here, listened to this podcast, thought I was spitting some shit about being right, or spinning an opinion that I'm assuming or trying to sell to you or assume to you that I'm right, fucking lies, because I know I can't be right all the time. Now, certain shit I could be right about, <laughs> you know, just like this next topic that I'm about to talk about, which is the WWE Horse show at Extreme Rules. I don't know how many of you guys are wrestling fans. I just got back into watching wrestling personally. And I've literally just gotten back into it. Like um, I want to say during this whole pandemic. And the only reason why I feel like I've gotten back into it is because there hasn't been really much sports to really watch or anything like that. And I finally gave up playing NBA 2K. That shit is so fucking toxic. If anybody has ever played that fucking game, I couldn't play it anymore. I'm done with it. Even when I'm looking at like little videos on YouTube about the game and them talking about like what new cards are coming out for that game. I'm not interested. Fuck that game. Like, honestly, if you never played a 2K game before, don't and if you are playing a 2k game stop you could do better things with your fucking time honestly that's just personally how i feel now uh, again i'm not saying now i'm right about this but the game is definitely toxic the the company itself don't give a shit about their customers and they make the most trashiest game possible I mean, I was so close to making a YouTube channel about video games. Well, mainly 2K a couple of years ago. But because I never had the money to actually get like the Elgato and shit like that and just get all the equipment. I never bothered after that. And I'm glad I didn't bother because I don't want to deal with the toxicity that comes from that game. You know, I'm trying to surround myself more with good energy and and more positivity, and one of the things that, ironically, is the most positive thing that I love in my life, and and I'm just saying this for everybody that's out there, maybe you are dealing with some negative shit around you, but I feel like horror movies is the one thing that has brought a lot of positivity, ever since a lot of, like, I want to say toxic shit has come out of my life, you know, a like toxic people, like the toxic person I was talking about in my last podcast, even though I'm not saying that she was the only toxic one, I was the toxic one too, I'm not going to like front, like I wasn't doing toxic things in the relationship, getting rid of toxic people, putting them on the back burner because, you know, that's just the kind of shit that they're on, um, getting rid of toxic games around me, you know, gang, like, or toxic activities that are kind of putting me into that mode of like more work or more hours being put on that shit than having fun because honestly to me I mean I was forgetting the fact of playing video games means have fun have fun playing a playing a video game but while getting a challenge also it should never be a a moment where you're just like well, fuck this game because it's glitching out. Fuck this game because this company just like did this whole weird glitch and this game is like mechanics is all off because the game's mechanics is real off. Real off. I have a friend that really believes like this company makes like the best games possible and he believes like the game itself, 2K20 is like not a bad game at all, but I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, well, how much do you actually really play? Because all I'm hearing from most people that play this game is how bad the mechanics are with this game. But they play it anyway because they like playing a simulation basketball game. And that's fine. You want to play that. But for me, I can't stand the fact of just having to deal with like so many off things about a game and then you're taking losses for like shit that you just can't even control half the time or just like characters not doing what they're supposed to do in the game but yeah I moved away from all that and I traded playing video games for watching wrestling again and wrestling has been I feel like a very good positive outlet again for me I'm enjoying Every minute of it, it kind of reminds me back when I was a kid in high school when I used to watch wrestlers like The Rock and Stone Cold, Triple H, Booker T, and all that. Because I watched a little bit of WCW also before I just heavily stayed watching WWE. I was really excited when like the crossover started happening with like WCW, ECW, and WWE going against each other. And they were all kind of like having that storyline about like the whole corporate takeover. But we all know WWE was going to win. Like, how are you going to just going to change WWE? You know, how are you going to invade its show and then have WWE get changed into WCW or some shit like that? Doesn't make sense. But going back to what I was talking about, which was Extreme Rules. Um, I didn't necessarily watch Extreme Rules. I did watch the highlights, and the highlights that I saw were really good. The couple of things I got to say, there were some very good matches, like the Asuka versus Sasha Banks match. That was a really good match because you just really saw some really good wrestling happening and just a little good storyline that's been developing for a while. And I know right now, congratulations to Sasha Banks, you know, um, I got to say, she's now the Raw Women's title, but I mean, that storyline itself was kind of odd itself, and I'm pretty sure there's going to be another battle with them that they're building up to SummerSlam. Um, another good matchup was the Bailey versus Nikki Cross match, and I mean, I'm about to go off on a tangent. You know, I always got to talk about the women, right? <laughs> I love the women. <laughs> that Bailey got a nice ass. I mean, not to be totally like... A creep or anything like that Or to objectify her No I'm just trying to say The woman is sexy bro Like I have never seen Well I can't say i never seen A wrestler as sexy as her But she has got to be right now Probably the sexiest wrestler In the WWE right now To me in my opinion Now the prettiest I would say is Asuka Asuka is fine but Bailey, Bailey is the sexiest. Just because of like that booty. It's just like real nice. <laughs> I mean, that's just my, my thoughts and opinions about that. I I, I just like the booty, man. I, I, I just wanna like give it a nice little tap, but um <laughs> but um that match between her and Nikki Cross, that was also another exciting match. Um, Bailey won that matchup, of course, which was definitely going to be seen. I, I actually thought um, Nikki Cross was going to win that matchup just because Nikki has been taking a lot of L's, but I'm pretty sure in SummerSlam, um, Nikki is going to take the win. I mean, WWE is pretty predictable sometimes with their storylines. Um, another good matchup was the New Day versus Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro, and... I gotta say, I do love The New Day. I do love me some Shinsuke Nakamura. I love his interest music. That has got to be the most inspiring and poetic music ever. Another good match was the Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler match, which was just an Extreme Rules for only Dolph Ziggler, surprisingly. And just like if Drew McIntyre did anything like hit Dolph Ziggler with the chair or Put him through a table or even got himself counted out, the belt would have switched hands to Dolph Ziggler. So I gotta give it to Dolph Ziggler for playing his cards at at the horse show and just like baiting Drew McIntyre into that match. Bravo, but at the end, Claymore's country won. Claymore country. Claymore country. <laughs> All right, now let me talk about some bad matches because this is the whole reason why I wanted to talk about this shit on this show because the show is called The Horror Show and believe me, there are some horror shit happening. So first off, let's talk about this Rey Mysterio and Seth Rollins fight which was a eye for an eye match. The only way to win was to completely take out your opponent's eye. I thought this match was the dumbest matchup ever. Like, how are they going to go about this match? And, of course, I knew they weren't really going to take each other's eyes out. Because, of course, like we all know wrestling is fake. Well, WWE wrestling is fake. But how are they going to play this match? Like, And I was wondering, like, okay, more than likely they're probably going to put Rey Mysterio as the winner. So, how are they going to have Rey Mysterio take out the eye of Seth Rollins? Because it's easy to kind of like fake with Rey Mysterio because he's wearing a mask. But with Seth Rollins, he's not wearing a mask at all. But of course, at the end, well, at the end of the day, Seth Rollins ended up winning the match and Rey Mysterio got his eye taken out. And what they used for the eye was a ping pong ball. Well, for one, I was disgusted by the whole match because it's, it the match itself was very cringy. Honestly, I thought the whole shit was cringy to begin with. I thought it was corny that they're doing this match in the first place. But this is WWE. What do you expect? They do corny shit like that sometimes. Um, they do like corny shit like a belt strap match or like I forget the one with JBL. It was like some kind of Texas rope match competition it was so lame but um with this one I, I would have to say in recent memory this has got to be the most cringiest match and just to see that Seth Rollins have won the match and he took out Rey Mysterio's eye and it was just a fake eye by the way like it was a ping pong ball that somehow he slipped into his hands I mean of course The cameraman caught everything but you know they're using like different camera angles that are just cut away from like the action so we don't necessarily see when Rey Mysterio actually slips the fake eye in front of him to make it look like he lost his eye in the match now that was that was the one matchup that was the most cringiest to me um I heard a rumor that the only reason why they had this match in the first place and the reason why Rey Mysterio lost is because they're kind of negotiating a new deal with Rey Mysterio. So pretty soon, um, in probably like two or three weeks, we're going to see Rey Mysterio back again, or probably at SummerSlam. We're going to see him back again. Another match that was really cringy was the Brock Strowman and Bray Wyatt matchup, which was a swamp fight and... As you, if you guys watch wrestling, you guys would know that Bray Wyatt has many personalities. He has, like, the old country hillbilly um, persona, kind of like an inspiration of, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre or the House of a Thousand Corpses. At least that's for me. That's what that is inspired by. Then he has the personality, like a Mr. Rogers-type personality, but it's like a dark side to that shit. And then he has The Fiend. In this matchup, you get to see Bray Wyatt as hillbilly Bray Wyatt. But at the end of the match, you see the Fiend actually rise up from the swamp at the end of that matchup. Now, I don't want to talk about this match too much because I'm, for one, tired of that rivalry. i am It's boring to me. I really don't care for it. It's a stale battle. And it's so, I feel one-sided most of the time. We know Braun is going to win. I mean, the the man is a freak of nature, honestly. But, yeah, we're putting him against Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt is no slouch. You know, it's not like Bray Wyatt isn't a beast. But I just feel like he can't beat Strawman. And to have, like, I, I don't even know who won. That's another thing about, like, a couple of these matches. You really don't know who won the match. And this is one of those matches where... You don't really know who won because just out of nowhere, it's like you see Braun, he beats up Bray, Bray Wyatt, and then all of a sudden Bray retreats into the swamp and pulls Braun into the swamp, and then all of a sudden Mergent is the fiend, so yeah, that was that was a really bad matchup to me. Um, another thing that was bad about that was definitely that whole cinematic fight that they are now doing with a lot of their fights now for the pay-per-views. And I just, I'm not a fan of the cinematic fights because I've come from the era where like you see those main event matchups right before your eyes at a stadium. You never really see them being played out like a movie or anything like that but now they're kind of doing these cinematic fights where you get more camera angles and I guess a little bit more fantastical stories and shit like that I mean me personally I really don't care for that shit they could keep that shit to themselves but moving on we're going to talk about Train to Busan sequel Peninsula so right now uh, well actually when I looked it up Peninsula has made about $20 million internationally. Why? Well, because a lot of movies in the international markets are kind of open right now. Because, well, they managed to curve down COVID more than we are curving curving it. So, right now, the movie has been pushed back for a U.S. release. The U.S. release is now looking at an August 21st. Um, date but i'm pretty sure that's going to change because i don't see anybody going to the theaters anytime soon um it's still being released in canada on august 7th because they're doing a good job with curbing the the disease and everything also with peninsula it's still going to be released on shutter in 2021 so my thing right now with covid pushing everything back that's not the only movie that's getting pushed back other movies are getting pushed back too antebellum just got pushed back i didn't i haven't looked at the date yet to see when it got pushed back but i know that got pushed back the conjuring three the devil made me do it that got pushed back to now june 2021 a quiet place which was very quiet for a while because they pushed their date to september of this year now they're pushing it to april 23rd of 2021 antlers another movie that is by guillermo del toro and well it's being produced by him that movie is getting pushed back now to february 19th 2021 so with all these movies getting pushed back, and I'm pretty sure Candyman is going to get pushed back from its October release, too. One movie that I'm wondering when it's going to be released is Terrifier 2. Recently, the trailer just came out. Like I want to say, sometime a couple of weeks ago, last week, depending on when you when you're listening to this, the trailer came out, and I was very excited to see Art the Clown. Back into action. Now the. Trailer itself. Looks very. As the homegirl. Diamond Horror would say. The trailer looked very PG. And I kind of agree with her. I mean it does look a little PG. But we all know. We all know. Art the Clown is not going to disappoint. You know what I'm saying. I mean like. Terrifier 1 is still. A fucking classic to me. I mean just. Him sawing that bitch in half, you know. Catherine Cochran, she she took that shit. <laughs> she took that shit, bruh. And then when he fucking um uh, took out Jenna Cannell on on that whole overkill shit, bruh. Like she got fucked up. And I'm a fan of Jenna Cannell, and but seeing her get fucked up like that, I was like, damn. <laughs> but one thing I wonder while watching this trailer was where's Felicia Rose where is that hot ass cougar at (laughs) like where was miss sleepaway camp you know and they didn't really show her at all I mean we all know she has a role in this film I really couldn't wait to see her you know, in the trailer and everything, but they didn't show her. So we probably have to wait till the next trailer comes out or maybe until the movie is released. But right now we don't even know when this movie is being released. There was no specific date being um, released or even told. So right now I guess they're playing it by ear and it will be released when I guess the company is ready to release this movie. Moving on to the next news, Tales from the Hood is going to come out with the third movie. So, apparently there's been an announcement. I really didn't see that news about it, but there's been an announcement from the creator of Tales from the Hood, well, the original Tales from the Hood, and they want to release a third installment of the film. I'm not against this at all, honestly. Both Tales from the Hood movie are really good. Um, The second one is good, but I mean, it could be a lot better, honestly, but the first one I've watched it recently because it's on Peacock and it's definitely a movie you guys should check out if you never watched this movie before, or if you have, you know, if you want to like recap the memories you have of watching this film, definitely watch it. Um, Right now, Tales from the Hood is being made, well, Tales from the Hood 3 is being made Tony Todd is actually going to be in the film along with Lynn Whitfield who was on a thin line between love and hate if you guys ever watched that movie it's a very old school movie Um, black film black cinema and all that Um, yeah definitely check that one out too but I'm excited to see what this film is like it's supposed to come out during the time of the 25th anniversary of Tales from the Hood but we'll see if that holds up because it's supposed to be this year. We will see if that holds up or holds any merit to anything. But moving on to the next bit of news. I know we got a lot of news to talk about, you guys. Lars Klevberg just recently stated on his Instagram that he wants to make a Child's Play sequel. What are you, fucking nuts? (laughs) (laughs) You thought? (laughs) not at all but um, I know there's like a split decision on whether this remake was good or not I thought the remake was good I'm not I'm not mad at it at all I thought what they did as far as like making a doll that was like modern to today's times and just the whole aspect of what Chucky could do it was interesting I actually thought it was good. Maybe they shouldn't have called it child's play. Maybe it should have been something else, but I thought it was good. Now there's a lot of people that kind of hate it because they don't like the fact that it's robot Chucky trying to kill Andy and that this doll is trying to be his friend and this and the other. And how's this doll going to have emotions? because he's a robot i get all that i get that shit i just thought it was a really good concept because even though the doll doesn't really have emotion it's kind of mimicking emotions if you think about it doll is more mimicking emotions than anything it it's not really emotional at all it doesn't have compassion because you could clearly see when he's trying to kill all those kids or all those people who hurt Andy obviously he has no feeling towards killing and even when Andy kind of rejects him he quickly turns on Andy I mean it took a while for him to turn on Andy but he turns on Andy and he wants to kill him I mean the the way he was programmed was to just protect his buddy the thing is, like, we kind of noticed at the end of the movie, if you guys watched it, that it's kind of open ended to a sequel. And I'm not against it. I'm really not. Because we all know in sequels, it, the bodies are going to pile up. You know, we're going to be sitting there seeing Chucky slice up everybody while Drowning Pool let the bodies hit the floor. It's playing in the background. Shit is going to be fucking dope. Like, honestly. So I say, like, yeah let it ride let's let's make a sequel happen now i know with most sequels they fucking suck um one sequel i could really name that sucked the most was poltergeist 2 i hated that fucking sequel that was the worst sequel ever i couldn't believe like the shit that was going on in that movie but i mean it was ridiculous i mean it went from like a simple ghost film to like some kind of crazy cult film where like this cult leader or devilish guy is now trying to get to the family and all the ghosts that are around this guy is trying to kill the film it was so dumb well I want I don't want to say dumb it just did not really pan out the way it should have it was terrible it was a terrible film but if the movie flops, I mean, the movie flops, I mean, honestly, I don't see MGM and Orion really putting too big of a budget into this film. I mean, the the film itself was budgeted at $10 million. I could see them probably like giving them maybe another 10 or 12, 12 at most, knowing that people have a negative view towards this film. I don't see them giving them a big budget to kind of like work with this film in any type of way possible. But I do want to see what else happens. I I like I want to see more of those Chucky dolls come to life because Lars Kleberg did mention that he kind of regret not being able to use all those Chucky dolls that he could have dove into like the bear Chucky doll, the the black Chucky doll, you know, all those dolls that were there. So I can't help but see or want to see what he would do with this sequel. Alright, but last but not least, um, we want to say a quick R.I.P. to John Saxon. He died at the age of 83 from pneumonia just a couple of weeks ago. If you guys don't know him, um, he starred in Nightmare on M Street. He played Nancy's dad, who is played by Heather Langenkamp. And he starred in Star Wars. And countless other films. I mean, his film credit goes about 200 plus movies. So right now, I just want to take a moment of silence just for his life and his accomplishments in his career. I heard he is being survived by his wife and his couple of kids that he has. But let's take a moment of silence for John Saxon real quick. All right, guys, so right now, I am going to take a break. When I come back, I am going to talk about the Into the Dark series new installment called Current Occupant. So, as you shouldn't say in a scary movie, I'll be right back. What's your favorite scary movie? So, as a young kid, I always dreamed of being, like, a famous singer. Like, when I was young... Like I would say like maybe like around six, seven years old, I really idolized Michael Jackson. I idolized the one glove, the shiny pants, the flooded shiny pants, I should say, and those nice little loafers that he wore to do the moonwalk. When I realized maybe around middle school that I have no talent for singing or a passion for dancing, that's when the dream kind of died out and I shifted gears to other things that I like. The only reason why I mention this is because in the new installment of the Blumhouse series of the Into the Dark series, which is now the current occupant, which was released in the month of July. We are following this character named Henry Cameron, who has no memory of who he is and what he's doing. But the thing is, and this is spoilers for you. He had a deep dream of wanting to be the president. And the question is, how far will one go or how far will one go to lose it to live out their dream? So as you guys know, I've been watching the Into the Dark series for like quite a while. I've been watching this since the first installment since they came out with The Body now we're into season two and we're well enough into season two and we're getting close to ending the series by the way this is the 10th installment of their series for season two and i can't wait to see what they come out with season three but right now our current rankings that i want to talk about because i've been ranking every film for the past couple of months this is how the current rankings are looking So at first is My Valentine, which was the Valentine's Day special. Number two is Pilgrim, which was a Thanksgiving special. Three is Good Boy. Fourth is Nasty Piece of Work. Five is Delivered. Six is Crawlers. Seven is Puka Lives. Eight is Uncanny Annie. And nine is Midnight Kiss. So with the 10th installment, which is Current Occupant, We're trying to figure out where does it land in the ranking system of all the movies that have came out in season two. So first off, let's talk about the plot of this film. The plot of this film is basically, like I said, following Henry Cameron, who is played by Barry Watson. Apparently, Barry Watson was in the series Seventh Heaven, but I am not a fan of Seventh Heaven. (laughs) Let's just say that right now. I'm not a big fan of it. I mean, I may watch, like, a couple of episodes, but, yeah, I never really kept up with the show. Henry has no recollection of why he ended up in the asylum that he is now resting at. He knows that he gained some injuries to his head, had some trauma, and was completely paralyzed from a a shooting. By the way, which is one thing that is crazy impossible to survive, but, I mean, sure, I'll go ahead and follow that. But he has no recollection of who he is until he is approached by Eliza, who is played by Kate Cobb, who tells him that he is the president of the United States. Not only that, he approached by this patient named Helen, who is played by Lily Birdsell. And she tells him that he is the president of the United States and that the asylum is trying to keep him from running his presidency. Before we really dive into this film, let's talk about some things that I really liked about this film. So first off, this film I want to say has really good cinematography, like just a lot of effects being put together in this film. Like everything feels like a dreamlike setting with Henry, like everything that you see between like the hallucinations, the thoughts in his head, the different like aspects of when he's in this whole rivalry with this doctor named Dr. Larson or the Orderly, who was played by Marvin Jones, who is who is part of the rap group Strong Arm Steady, but is now on the show Black Lightning. You get this whole dreamlike world whenever he is in this whole little fucking um, setup that is kind of reminiscent of a clockwork orange. But here's the thing about this movie. This movie has also a bit of Shutter Island influence in it also. If you guys ever watch Shutter Island, it stars Leonardo DiCaprio, and he plays this detective who is going on a wild goose chase to find a patient but learns that he is the patient that he is searching for. Well, that is kind of like what's happening in this film because this film has a lot of misdirection that it's trying to lead you into, and it really gets played off well by the actors who are acting in this film. The acting is really good, by the way. Well, I wouldn't say really good, but it is definitely better than most films that I've watched in the Into the Dark series. Because of the commitment of the actors, you do believe that Henry Cameron, who is a patient, is the president of the United States, and he ends up waking up in this asylum. And he does everything in his power with Helen to try and, like, Gain his way back to the upstairs world so he could kind of take over for his presidency well the thing is with this whole story when you find out is that none of the things that he believed in is real and that you're just simply watching a man descend into the world of madness of his own thoughts and it kind of makes you think like well how far does he really want to go into being the president of the united states is his dream so insatiable is that he has to satiate it with the thought of him actually being being the president and believing in his own delusional mind that he is the president as you also get other patients who are pretty much In the same delusions as him. As the film tries to point you in the direction that. There is probably something not really right with Henry. You know even though we're trying to side with Henry. To see that he is actually the president of the United States. We're given little nuggets by him being surrounded by other patients. Who believe they are holier than thou. And that they have a stronger purpose. Than what's actually being given to them between the savior of the world and the emperor of the galaxy, Henry is no more delusional than the rest of the orderlies that are in there in prison with him. And his secretary of the state, Helen, who is also as delusional as the other patients, is pretty much feeding into that, that whole delusion that Henry is... Just so strongly clinging on to. And we only get to. Feel like fools. At least I felt like a fool. Believing that. He probably really is the president. Until we actually see. Video footage by. Dr. Dr. Larson. Who shows a video of him. Hugging. And talking to Eliza. Who turns out to be his dead wife. Who got killed. In the assassination of the real president at his rally, and that Eliza, who who was supposed to be a nurse in his in the facility, is no more just an imaginary figure of his own guilt and delusion. So those are a couple of things that I do like. Let's talk about some things that I do hate. There's not much about this film that I really do hate. I just hate the story because the story seemed very repetitive or just like not really interesting at all. I believe I read an article from, I can't remember where, but the writer of the film, or the director, I should say, Julius Ramsey, and Austin Ramsey, who are brothers, well, they're director and writer, Well, one's directing the other one is writing, they actually admit that they did not know what they were going to do for the 85 minutes that this film was going to run. And it actually feels like that because there's not much story that's really being developed. There's not much of anything that's being unfolded. It just seems like there's one story given to you That Henry is the president, then you're just given like this whole run around for the next hour or so of him trying to like elude his way out of the, out of the possession of the doctors and orderlies and everything like that, that are slowly destroying the patients and just abusing them every way possible. So his way is just trying to get out of there. But we finally learned, at least in the last 20 minutes of the movie, that he's not really the president and that he's just another orderly that is just as delusional as the next. So with that being said, where does this movie rank? Well, I have this movie ranked at a 2.88 coming in in sixth place over Crawlers. Why? Well, for one... Even though I didn't like the writing, the acting really did save this movie a lot. The acting really sold a lot of the movie to me because the characters really did commit to who they were as a character in the film. Dr. Larson coming off as a cold-blooded doctor who only just wants to see her patients get cured from whatever disease or mental disorder that's in their minds now does she take like a most extreme measures of like electrocution and drugs yes she does and it definitely shows that she really does take like some very extreme measures and the orderly who because who was at first friends with henry but ends up being enemies with henry because henry rather live in his delusional world of thinking that he's the president more than just a guy who failed at trying to become president or anything in the political world. And it goes back to what I was saying before. How far do you want to go with trying to live out a dream that is never coming true? And it's sad to say that because this is a movie that's supposed to be an Independence Day movie. And the most thing that we want to remember about Independence Day is that we all are trying to live the American dream, that we all have dreams of being in America and living and living out our life and living it as securely with a good, comfortable life of money in a house. Well, sometimes not everybody's American dream do come true. And this is one movie that really sets the bar of that depressing thought that maybe sometimes, even though you have a dream, sometimes you just got to let it go and do other things. Henry did at one point live out... Well, tried to live out his dream as much as possible, but he stopped trying to go for it because he wanted to settle down with his wife, Eliza. But because his insatiable lust for this dream of becoming like some type of political figure was stronger than his settlement and steady and stable life that he was having, he decided that he wanted to quit his job and try and become a congressman. As much as possible. Fell three times. And took his wife to a political rally. Where there was an assassination involved. And a a killer that. I gotta say. For someone that's an assassin. Really is a bad assassin by the way. Fucked up. And instead of killing the president. He killed a bunch of other people. That were in the fucking audience. So I gotta say like. Even though the movie was stale. And. It was like still on like the story being presented to us. I did like the the effects of like the dreamlike setting because it does feel like when you're walking in, when you're going through this movie, you're pretty much walking through like a dream and a nightmare at the same time. And it presents little effects of like that would just make you feel like you're just in a euphoria a bit. And I feel like this might be one of those films that are very interesting that it does that despite the fact that the story wasn't really good. So, yeah, it's definitely deserving of its sixth spot. And if you guys want to check this out, I mean, definitely check it out. It's on Hulu. But I want you guys, if you have made it this far into the podcast, you know, leave in the comment section like, what are some of the dreams you have? That maybe you had to give up on. Maybe it was something that you were dreaming. That you thought you were very good at. But when you found out you weren't really that good. You had to give it up. Like I mentioned. I thought I was going to be a singer. I mean I love singing through the house still. But I'm never going to sing on stage. In front of people. I don't even like singing in front of people at all. You know I like to keep that shit to myself. You know because. I know I can't sing. I got a terrible voice. I mean, you guys probably could barely stand my voice doing this podcast, but you guys love me because I am so entertaining. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think I was just more meant to just sit here, talk about horror right now because I really enjoy it. I really do have fun talking to you guys for those that actually do listen and they listen throughout the whole hour and what have you. You know, I really do love and i really do love talking to you guys and i enjoy it every minute every time i get on the mic other than that i'm about to take another break when i come back we are gonna come to the outro wendy darling light of my life i'm not gonna hurt you you didn't let me finish my sentence i said i'm not gonna hurt you i'm just gonna bash your brains i'm gonna bash them right the fuck in all right we are on the outro you guys so as you guys know i have a must watch movie on Tubi for the week and this week i don't have one for you guys i that's my apologies on that one um i've been kind of flooded with like everything else in my normal life i mean it's been kind of a tiring couple of weeks this is why you guys are just now getting an episode um but for next week when i come back I will I will have a movie for you, um, I'm going to be talking about anthology movies just so you guys know, I'm already planning ahead, I'm trying to plan ahead for you guys, so that way I don't get lazy or I'm thinking of something last minute, I'm trying to plan better, <laughs> I'm really trying to plan better, and it's funny because I talk on the night, the night lift and I mentioned how much of a poor planner I am. And it's funny because, like, this month of July, I really have planned better with what I am presenting for you guys. So, I would definitely advise you guys to watch, to listen or watch The Night Live on YouTube or any platform where it streams podcasts. But other than that, I will see you guys next week. I will have you guys' movie. If you guys want to follow me, follow me on Instagram, which is Walter Doom, Twitter, Walter Doom 1 spotify youtube if you guys aren't following me on there follow me and i will be back next week for another episode of let's talk about horror this your boy walter doom signing out this is america don't let him catch you slipping now black lives matter peace